0: So, today I came to share with you a Midrash. It's quite an interesting Midrash. People who would read this Midrash may find it either meaningless, amusing, but usually those kinds of Midrashim are the most important. When you have a question on what Hachamin tells us, it's usually a good sign that you have a big treasure. You just got to think a little, you got to look a little more. The pasuk that the Midrash is focused on is talking about a world war that took place in the time of Avraham Avinu. And in the war, his nephew Lot got captured. So the pasuk says vayavo hapalit the palit the refugee the one who ran away he came hapalit makes him sound like he's a very important person like someone we're supposed to know about so who is this palit who is this refugee obviously the torah is focused on him if it was just a regular person it would just say vayavo haish A refugee. What's the the refugee? So the Resh Lakish says that he's none other than who Og Melech Habashan. I think we've heard that name before. Og is a very famous king. He's a giant. Og Melech Habashan was a very powerful person. Not a big tzaddik though. Doesn't go down as one of the big tzaddikim in history. He is the palit. He's the one that escaped the war to inform Avraham Avinu about his nephew Lot. Velama Nikra Shemo Og. So why was his name Og? Who named him Og? So I'm not sure that we would ask this question. We would just say, what do you mean? That's. The name, it's on his birth certificate. But I guess Hachamim know that names in the Torah have different meanings and sometimes come from different sources. So they're saying why they call him Og. Says the Midrash, here goes. Get ready for this answer. Sheba, he came, when he came to Abraham. Umatzah, what did he find? He found Avram, that was his name at the time. Yoshev, he was sitting, Veosek, and he was busy. be-mitzvat Ogot. He was busy in the mitzvah of Ogot. Ogot, as you know, means cake, means halot. He was busy in the mitzvah of baking halot. That's why they called him Og. Because when he came to Abraham, Abraham was making Ogot. So naturally, they called him Og. Now that seems to be a little disturbing. Imagine that you wouldn't be invited to my house or you would just show up and we would be cooking rice and for the rest of your life and for the rest of history you're known as Miss Rice <laughs> and they asked why, why they call her Rice it's a weird name oh no because one time she went to Rabbi Yadid's house and she saw him checking the rice for Pesach so they called her Rice I think you would be amused, you would laugh, you would cry, you would say, what is going on? It's very confusing that a Midrash should make such a statement is very, very bothersome to any listening ear. What does that mean? They called him Og because Abraham happened to be involved in Ogot? That's why his his name changed forever? I don't think it's an exaggeration if I tell you that this Midrash perhaps is giving one of the most powerful messages that I can give you in life. It's so powerful that I honestly am not well prepared to give it to you in its full strength. So whatever I give you is like a little piece of its power because it applies in so many ways, to so many people, in so many situations. And we're probably all guilty of not fulfilling and understanding the message of this Midrash. Let me tell you first what the Midrash is saying, and then we'll see how that applies to me and you. The Midrash is saying that here's a fellow, his name is Og. I don't know what his name was before. He's running to Avraham Avinu. And when he comes to Avraham Avinu, he sees that this man is running, literally, an empire. Avraham was not a simple man. Avraham Avinu was a giant. Even the people, the goyim around him, knew, as Ephron would call him, he says, you Nesi Elohim atab Betochenu. He was considered a giant person. When he made a party for Yitzhak, he invited Abimelech, the king of Pelishtim. He was an aristocrat. He was a very big man. He was a very wealthy man. He was a very powerful man. He was a very influential person. Abraham was not a slouch. You see in the world war, he went to fight against the kings and he actually won. And he saved his nephew. When all came... To Avraham Avinu, he realized this is not a house. This is not a normal place of residence. This is not a normal person. This man literally runs an empire. An empire of kindness. An empire of wisdom. He's teaching people. He's making people more aware. He's raising people's lives. He's guiding people. This is the way Avraham and Sarah lived. When the Torah tells us the story of Avraham and Sarah on that hot day, that's not the exception, that's an example. That's the rule. That's the way they lived their life. Avraham Avinu was this giant human being and when all came in, what did he see him doing? He saw he was busy, he was involved. He wasn't the man who built the chesed organization and let somebody else run it. He was personally involved as we see in the story. He ran, he got involved in everything that he could get involved in. I'm sure people here, I know I have, been to Eretz Israel and seen some of the amazing organizations that are there. They have them in America too. Some smaller, some larger. I've gone into buildings 20 stories high. That's all built by one or two people for kindness, to helping people in every way. Older people, sick people, people who need money, people who just gave birth, people who need help with their children. I mean, it's a factory of kindness. It's unbelievable helping them physically, helping them emotionally, helping them spiritually. You have people sometimes that you've seen in your life, I know I have for sure, and you look at them and you see them in action and you say, Whoa! What is that? That is awesome. That is so inspiring to live a life like that. You saw Avraham Avinu in action. You saw a malach. You saw an angel that looks like a human being. So Og gets to see this firsthand. He never saw Avraham Avinu. Maybe you heard of him. He never saw what was going on. You know, it's not the same when you hear Or when you see. And now he goes to Abraham and he sees this unbelievable empire of Abraham Avinu. And he leaves. They ask him, you went to Abraham's house? Yes. So, what did you see there? Anything that you could share with us? And he says, The (laughs) ogot. He says, the cake. The halah. Wow. I don't think I ever had such ogot in my life. You gotta go see it. You gotta go have it. It's very special. The people that heard this from Og. They said, That's all you noticed? That's the takeaway of what you saw? You saw ugot? I mean, there were ugot, and they definitely tasted good. But that's what you noticed? You missed the boat. You missed an opportunity. For something so special. You could have changed your life when you went to Abraham Avinu. If you would have noticed the right things, you would have been so awe-inspired that you would have changed not only your life in Alk's case, you could have changed a nation's life. If you would have just noticed what was going on. But he didn't see anything. All he saw was ogot. So to remember such a tragic historical event. They said, from now on, you're known as Og. You're the person who goes to Avraham Avinu and sees Ogot. You see cakes. What a powerful midrash this is. I'm afraid of what they would name us. Because we too live in a world and there's so much to notice. And I'm not sure if we notice the right things. We notice things. We're not lying. Not to ourselves or to anybody else. But it could be that we notice something that's so little to what really is supposed to be noticed. And of course, if you don't notice, then you can't become. You could become like an Avraham Avinu when you notice Avraham Avinu. If you don't notice what he's doing, so you're not going to become. Maybe you'll make a good challah, but that's it. We only grow in life as people, as families, when we see something greater outside of us. We either see it in people around us, or we see it in books or in stories. Og Melech HaBashan missed the boat. Who knows, maybe Hashem saved him from the war just so he can go and see something. I imagine that Og was a great person. Nobody like Og who runs a a country, a powerful man like that, Hashem gave him a lot of koach. There's no question. Would he use it for the great things or not so great things. It's up to him. Maybe this was Hashem's giving opportunity to Og. Og. Maybe you never saw an Abraham Avinu. So I don't blame you. So you know what? I'm going to save your life and you'll go to tell him the news. That's why he went. That his nephew is alive. And maybe you'll realize something and maybe you'll walk away with something. But Og didn't walk away with anything. And that was the tragedy of Og and all of his future. And I say to ourselves, and not in a negative way. When I say not in a negative way, it's negative. But not in a judgmental, like we're bad people way. I don't mean it that way. If the Midrash is telling us about Og, So the Midrash only talks to us what's relevant to us. What the Midrash is saying is that there is an og in every single person. And if you're not up and aware, you could be missing the most important part of what's going on. You could watch something and miss the point. You could read something and miss the whole story. You just missed it. In what way is this relevant? I think it's endless. But I'll give you a few examples because it's relevant to today and to us. Let's think of the parent in us. Let's think of the father and mother in us. There's no question in my mind, and I don't think you would disagree, that there's no greater job or responsibility that we have in life or greater desire or ambition for us than our children and their success and their future. While we like many things and we may want many things, but there's nothing more important than my little boy and my little girl, they should become great people. Unfortunately, for us parents, you know, let's think for a second why parents were created altogether. Why is it that Hashem made children grow up in the house of others? It could have been much easier where each child would grow up from the ground. That's where we come from anyway. And not only would we come from the ground, we would be born mature. Just like Adam Arishon was born mature. Adam Arishon was not like anybody else ever after him. He was created mature. The world was created mature. That's why carbon dating is really irrelevant. Because the world wasn't created slowly. The world was created a mature world. Adam was already a mature person. He didn't grow to be mature. But he was the only one. After that, every child was created immature. Immature in what? In everything. The most simple things that we do today, we weren't able to do as a child. Why did the Creator do that? Why not have people grow from day one mature and let them start living their purpose in life. You know how many years are wasted till people get on their feet? Used to be 13, 12, mitzvah, bat mitzvah, today probably it's a lot longer than that. People get on their feet and are somewhat mature minded and living their life, guiding it to where it's supposed to go. Why would the Creator do that? So, I'd like to suggest something, something very simple. Everything Hashem does in the physical world, besides the many, many different purpose that Hashem knows about, we could also take from it that it's also a mashal for a spiritual world. Which means the spiritual world is an unknown to us. Very hard to grasp something spiritual. But when you have a physical example, oh, 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 I get that. So for example, Hashem says He's our Father. And He says, I love you. You're Banim. You're my sons. You're my children. I love you like a father or mother loves her child. Now, in this world that we live in, we have love between each other. Like you've seen someone say, I like you. You've seen friends say to each other, Oh, I love you. What did that I love you mean? Did it mean that you think about them all day? No. Does it mean that you'll sleep an hour tonight because they're in pain? Probably not. Does it mean that you're willing to give up a lot of your money or maybe all of it for them to become healthier? Probably not. Does it mean that you're willing to give up of your time and your vacation and so many other things if I'm needed by you? Probably not. I love you but I don't mean like that. I just mean that like I don't hate you. That's all I mean. That's really what it means. I don't hate you so much like I hate other people. So, that's really what it means. You know, if you call me for a favor, would I do it once maybe? Second time? I'm already like, you know, I'll make you dinner one night. Call me a second night for dinner again? I don't know. Not so sure. So what does a love mean when a mother says I love my child? She also says I love you. But what does that love mean? It's a whole different category of love. It's not even in the same it's not in the same ballpark at all. It's a love that I make dinner, lunch, breakfast and you're complaining. (laughs) And I'm going to beg you to eat my food. And I don't get tired. The next day, I do it again. And in fact, because you complained, I'm going to do something else, so this way you don't complain. So you like it. Every single night, you could sleep by my house. Every night. Even if you're in a bad mood, which is very often. (laughs) And even if you hit your little brother and little sister, we're gonna welcome you back. I love you. And I'm gonna buy you a ticket when we go on vacation. When was the last time you bought someone else a ticket? If you did, you would think you would think it's charity. Ugh, oh, I'm so charitable. You don't think like that when you buy your children a ticket to go on a trip? You don't say, oh, I'm so charitable. I bought my tickets, my kids a ticket. You don't think like that. You know why? Because you love your children. You love your children so much that you're willing. I know, and I'm sure you do too, and I'm sure everybody here is capable of it. I know a woman who slept for four months in a hospital room with her child. I'm not sure if she had to spend four months in a hospital room with her child. Four months straight. Where do you find that love? Where do you find love where a person would say, I'd rather be in pain than they be in pain? It's a whole new level of love. If we didn't have an example of a love of a mother to a child, we would never understand what it means when Hashem says, I love you we would never be able to comprehend such a love because we don't see that kind of love exists. So Hashem created such a thing called a father and mother and He infused them with such love for their children and that love continues to grow because through sacrifice and through hard work for their children they start to love even more. And all of a sudden, this child understands what love is. So now when Hashem talks to him and says, Listen, I love you. Just want you to know, I care about you. Like a mother loves her child. Oh, whoa, really? How would we know what that is if we didn't experience it? So perhaps that's one of the reasons why Hashem made children so he gives us an understanding of what it means to have a father and mother another reason perhaps is to understand what it means to live with security do you have the capability of relying securely on someone emuna <laughs> is also amida it's not just a intellectual it's a Ability, there are some people that don't have the ability to trust. Who knows where they grew up? You know, you grew up in a home where there's nobody to trust because the father lies or isn't around or the mother is not reliable. The worst thing that could happen to that child is that he grows up in a world that he can't trust anybody. You can't live normally in life if you don't trust people. You can't cross the street unless you trust the guy waiting by the red light. You can't trust the place that you live unless you have some trust. There's people out there like police, like a firefighter, like people who are interested in your safety. So you go to sleep at night a little more calm because you trust there are people that are willing to help you. And of course the most important trust there is, is trusting in Hashem. That is the most critical trust. That you live your life with peace of mind because you're fully at ease knowing you're in your Creator's hands. Who is going to take care of you? Just worry about what you have to do. But don't worry about what He has to do. But where would we develop that trust? How would we one day, Hashem would say, trust me, I'm here for you. And we would try to reach for that trust and we wouldn't be able to find it. Because it's something you have to practice. You know what the Creator does? He gives us parents. Hopefully, normal parents, most parents, are trusted by their children. Normally, if a mother or father would tell a child to sign a document of a thousand pages, he'd probably just sign. He wouldn't ask, oh, what are you making me sign? What does it say? Who knows what it says? But he wouldn't ask because he trusts his mother. That is a necessary development of a person to be able to trust others and to trust the Almighty. But Hashem helps us by making us helpless and we, during our helpless time where we couldn't do anything, they cared for us. They took care of us. When we couldn't eat, they fed us. When we couldn't drink, they gave us. So we developed trust. And so much more. As parents, we love our children. But what is it that we see is our main accomplishment without children and I'm not asking you an intellectual question I'm not saying think about it and come back to me of what's most important I'm asking you a real-life question when we live our lives day to day if I would see an average mother what would I see from her actions is the most important part of what she does. Well, you'd see she worries a lot about his health. Make sure he's at the doctor when he needs to be. Make sure he's getting his shots when he needs to get them. Make sure he's eating. Make sure she's sleeping the right time, the right way. Make sure they're developing physically, they're walking when they're supposed to, they're crawling when they're supposed to. Making sure they're comfortable. Making sure you give them the physical things they need to be happy. Take them on a vacation every once in a while. Let them play sports with their friends so they can enjoy. Develop their bodies. Think of the many things that we do as mothers If I would watch a mother all day, what would I say is her focus? She cooks a lot. She shops a lot. And she's constantly taking care of a child. All the things I just said, by the way, are kindness. They're not just you know, we think as parents like we're just doing for our children, but it's, it's also kindness. It's mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that we're doing all day long. And all those things I said are necessary, obviously. Torah, If there's no support, if there's no health, then you can't accomplish anything. But what happens to us very often, that we become like Ogmelech Habashan. And we take all of that, because we're so involved in it, who can blame us? And we just focus, really, our success and the children's success on all of those things. Are they being fed? Are they, do they have the right clothing? Do they have the right this, da that, that? But we could be missing... A much bigger picture of what's really important for our children. I wrote down a few things, examples. I'm not saying any Hidushim, you'll forgive me. There's not one Hidush in what I'm about to tell you. Not even one. But I have to say it. One of the most important things our children need to have to live a great life and a successful life is they need a ayin tovah. They need to be positive people. They need to see the good in the world. They need to see the good in others. Everybody's got good and bad. The question is, what do you see? The world has plenty of good and bad. What do you see? Your eyes very much lead you to what you see, your judgment of the world. We're judging all day long. We see each other, we're judging each other. Oh, that one, i yeah, whatever, that one, yes, that. We have a comment and, a, and, a, and, a, and an opinion about every person. And every person definitely has something that you could say something negative about. Uh, we're not perfect, not yet. The question is, what do you see? You see good or you see negative? Ain tova means it rains, I love it. I love the rain, it's beautiful. The opposite of Ain Tovah is uh, I hate the rain, I hate it. Ruins my day every time. Would you want your children? To be happy every day that it rains in life, or to have a negative feeling in their heart somewhere because it's raining? Of course, silly question. Of course we would all want them to have a Ayin tova. Well let me tell you, Ayin Tova is one of the most important possessions in life. because with the Ayin tova, you have a positive look at everything which generates energy, which generates accomplishments, which generates relationships, which generates great marriages. You have a negative look on things, all it generates is negativity. It generates mahloket. It generates lashon hara. It generates anger. It gener- generates not good things. Ayin tova. Do you see that? As your main job of being a mother? That your children should have an ayin tova? That their view, their cameras of the world see the good? No one, I think, would disagree with me. Another example. A person who appreciates. A person who appreciates is a person who enjoys everything in life. If we really appreciated things the right way, we would wake up in the morning and we would just be so excited just to breathe. I had a conversation with somebody a few weeks back. Too long of a subject to discuss here. clearly was not a person enjoying his life and there's no reason why. He had plenty of things, much more than I have and probably much more than many of us here. So, don't think I said it so rudely. I didn't. It developed. But I recommended for him that every night he should go to sleep telling Hashem thank you for my life. Thank you for everything you gave me. Here's my life back. (coughs) Which means I go to sleep at night. Some people might say, oh my gosh, that's horrible. You go to sleep at night thinking it's your last night? (gasps) How horrible is that? That's so sadistic. Horrible? That's the most empowering thing you could do for yourself. You go to sleep at night saying thank you Hashem. He gave me 30 years. Thank you. He gave me 50 years. Wow, you know, He gave me... Look at, look at all that I had that I didn't deserve. Thank you. I'm giving you back. I appreciate it. Even if it stopped today, I appreciate it. Do you know how it feels like in the morning when you give your life back at night? The morning you wake up, you got a new lease. Another day. Here's a guy miserable every day of his life for nothing. He's worried about things. He's worried about that. He's worried about this. What are you worried about? Go to sleep tonight. Tonight, go to sleep. And say, thank you, Hashem. You gave me a great life. I'm giving you back my life. Everything is a bonus. Appreciating something means you enjoy it. When you think that something is supposed to come to you, you don't enjoy it. When you think you're supposed to wake up tomorrow, you don't wake up enjoying tomorrow. If you think you're supposed to have energy, then you don't enjoy the energy. You're supposed to have food, you don't enjoy the food. Whatever you don't appreciate, you don't enjoy. So, one of the most powerful things we can give our children is to be appreciative. Not a thank you, I don't mean a thank you. Way more than a thank you. Appreciative means I deserve nothing. And because I deserve nothing, anything I get is extra. It's beautiful. The berakhah isn't said because I have to say a blessing. A berakhah is said from my soul. I don't deserve this. What could be better than giving my children and your children a sense of appreciation in life? Who could argue with that? Selfless. We say by Yabrit Mila, Zehakatan, Gadol, this little child should be a gadol, should be large. We don't mean he should put on weight. And we don't mean he should grow tall. We mean that this selfish kid, Katan, should one day be a gadol. He should be thinking about more than himself. He should be thinking about his parents. He should be thinking about his neighbors. He should be thinking about his friends, about his children, about his family. He should become a gadol. What kind of beracha is that? that? Why is that the beracha? Because living life for yourself is miserable. You're a miserable person. I saw once beautifully famous words that we all know in Perkei Avot. It says, "Im en ani so simply it means if I don't take care of myself who will take care of me but if I'm all about myself so then what am I which in itself is a beautiful comment but I so beautifully they say if I don't live life for myself of course I take care of myself but if I find myself constantly doing for others Worrying about what I can do for others. Which of course takes work and sacrifice. But that's who I am. <im> en ani li, mi, li, the word me is appropriate to me. <laughs> but if I'm all about me, then ma ani. You know the difference between me and ma. When you call somebody, do you say, Mahu, or mihu. By humans we say me. By animals we say ma. Im en anili. If I don't live for me, then li. The word me is a very good fit for me. I am living a human life. anile shanili atzmi. But if I live just for me, ma ani. I become a ma, I lose the me. Living a life that's selfless is so powerful. It's energizing, it's real, it's big. It's the way Hashem lives. What what makes Hashem big? Because He created all of us and He serves us. That's the greatness of a person. What greater thing could we want for our children? than to be people who are selfless, who think about others, who worry about others. Someone told me a beautiful story this week about a man who I have a lot of respect for, someone who passed away. And his son told me, told me some stories about him. So he told me that he, they made some money one year, they, they had a good business, he saved up some money. He wanted to go buy a very nice watch. He told his father, I'm going to buy a watch. He had all this money. Taking, he's taking it with him. So his father gave him a more simple watch. I guess he had a watch. He says, here. He says, take this watch. Take the money and go find someone who has no food to eat and give it to him. That's called seeing What's really important? Selfless is the way to live life. Who could disagree with that? Ayin Tova, Appreciation Selfless Living with boundaries You and I both know that you cross a boundary in life It's just a matter of time before you fall somewhere, no good. There are boundaries in words. There are boundaries with eyes. There are boundaries in place. There are all kinds of boundaries. To have boundaries, you have to have wisdom and strength. You have to be able to say, no, even though I want. I want to eat that, but I'm not going to. Because I have strength. I want to go here, but I'm not going to was not good for me. A person that grows with no boundaries is a drug addict, is an alcoholic, is a gambler or something like that. All those people have one thing in common. They don't live with boundaries. They're not ignorant. They're not fools. They don't have a death wish. They're just not living with boundaries. We want our children to live with boundaries, to know what boundaries are and to have the strength even they want, but they're not going to get it. And they could do it themselves. When I tell my daughter or my son, you can't have it, my goal isn't for me to tell them they can't do it. My goal is that one day when they know they shouldn't, they can say, I'm not doing it. But if I don't train them to say, I'm not doing it, If I don't supply them with the energy today to say I'm not doing it, where will they get it from? Oh, it's a very important part of my children's future. Yeah, they need boundaries and they need strength. They need self-respect. They have to respect themselves. Which means that we don't have to listen to what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what they're doing. We don't do things for other people. We help other people, but we don't do things because others are looking at what they think they want to see in us. We don't go places because other people expect us there. We don't wear things because people are looking what we should be wearing. I have respect for myself. I have self-respect. I make my own decisions. I don't live my life because of what other people are expecting from me. I have self-respect and therefore I talk a certain way. I don't scream in the house. I don't do that. I have self-respect. I don't get angry. I don't start using my mouth in a way that's not appropriate. I have self-respect. I dress in a way that's respectful. I have self-respect. I don't eat in the streets a pie of pizza. We don't do that. I have self-respect. It's not about doing averot or mitzvot. It's about kavod. By the way, nothing so far that I said had to do with religion, just for the record. Nothing. Zero. I mean, there are things, but nothing I said. Just to be a powerful, successful person. You need ayin tovah. You need to be be appreciative. You need to be respectful uh, to yourself. You need to be selfless. You need courage to do things that are scary. Calculated risks. Everything in life that's different is a risk. You need to learn how to take risks. You can't be afraid of everything. You have to learn that if it's the right thing, you do it. Even though you may not know what's going to happen. You need that from your children. You need them to live with security. To feel secure. To live with peace of mind. Oh, my children will be so much more successful in their life if they were calm and they felt secure they would feel powerful, they would be powerful I need my children to be calm and patient even when people are not so easy to deal with, their neighbors are not so easy but I need to teach them to deal with things patiently I think you're starting to get the point I see your eyes are getting wider, opening. You see, we could be guilty of Og Mela Habashan. Because we're spending so much time on the absolute needs that are necessary. And mitzvot too. But it could be that all that effort is blinding us from the greatest responsibility we have as parents. And that is all the things I mentioned and more. And you know what happens when we forget our responsibility to patience, to kindness, to appreciation, to selflessness? You know what happens when we forget that responsibility? We lose our ability to be the great role model for our children. And we lose our ability to affect them in the most powerful way. Because according to our responsibility, when I know my responsibility is to feed my child, I will do anything to feed my child. Because my responsibility. If my responsibility is that they need go to the hospital, God forbid, then I got to do it. It's my responsibility. I'll find the strength to sleep there for four months. It's my responsibility. Whatever I feel responsibility for, I'm going to make it work. But unfortunately, for many of us, and it's for good reason, because we're involved in other things. We're involved in ogot. In the bigger picture, the food and the clothing and the home and the vacation and is ogot. It's important. It's tasty ogot, but it's ogot. We have to view a much bigger responsibility. And if we viewed our responsibility... Along the lines of what I'm saying, I could be for another hour or two discussing other examples, but you get the idea. If you viewed, and I viewed my responsibility as such, all of a sudden, the home is more calm. Well, how will they be calm if I'm not going to show them? <inaudible> Go in the way of Hashem. You Follow your parents. I'm not gonna get angry. Someone says the wrong words, I deal with it in a smart way. Something happens in school, patient, look into it, understand it. I don't rush, I don't get crazy. Someone wasn't included when they went out for, for lunch. You know how many mothers are hurt for their children and therefore cause catastrophe for their own children? Because they weren't included. It's not pleasant not to be included. But what's the reaction? It's an opportunity to build strength, to understand how and what to deal with and why. Maybe maybe it's your fault. Maybe you did something not right. Maybe who knows what. At worst, it's a lesson for dealing with people that don't necessarily have the sensitivity they should So many opportunities in life. The rain is an opportunity. The snow is an opportunity. The cold day is an opportunity. If you have the responsibility of what we spoke about, everything changes. All of a sudden, the great watch is no longer the right watch. The great watch was good when I was thinking of ugot. But when I'm thinking of this, of selflessness, All of a sudden, no, it's the opposite. It's not getting the watch. It's something else. It just changes everything that I think about. It makes my life a very powerful life. Because in order for my children to have a powerful life, I have no choice but to be powerful myself. Maybe that's the other reason why Hashem made parents with children. Not so much for the children but for the parents. Because when you feel responsible for your children, somehow you gain strength that you never had. Maybe for yourself you wouldn't do it, but for your children, I don't care getting angry, but I don't my children getting angry. So somehow I find the strength for my children. Perhaps that's why we need children. Maybe it's for us. And I think it's a, way, a new way of living life. Ogmelech HaBashan is right at home with us. We have to really always catch ourselves that we don't fall in that trap. This week that we're going through with our children, with our families, is a hard week. But it's also an opportunistic week. There's no week that's been more fit to teach our children how to deal with difficulty and strength and and what to do in times of turmoil and how to... How would you want your children to react when they have some turmoil in their life? What do you want them to do? Scream? You want them to feel helpless, hopeless? What is it? You want them to watch videos of terrible... What do you want them to do? You want them to be strong. You want them to be focused. You want them to do whatever they can to help. And you want them to have a security that Hashem runs the world, nobody else. I mean, there's so many things. That can be taught this week? Is that being given its proper respect? There's so much to talk about. But I think the Midrash has made a very important mark in our minds. I know that I, after seeing this Midrash, feel a little stronger in finding more priorities In my home for my children, knowing that what I do will become the difference in their greatness and in their future. I pray that all of us are able to find that clarity and find the strength to be able to lead our families in the best places possible. Amen.